I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Don't tell the other podcasts. I should go. I do a story for you. Ooh, I love stories. Well, kind of relating back to something that you and I talked about uh, yesterday, or the day before. I don't remember. So, context for them, since they don't know stuff. Okay. I moved recently. So, I moved to a different part of town, basically. And in this particular part of town, it's a it's still, like in the city proper but for whatever reason there are just people that keep small coops of chickens everywhere <laughs> so like you're just walking around and they're just chickens it's, it's very <laughs> it's a whole thing <laughs> so i was out walking caden the other day and i came across a chicken coop with these chickens that were fucking huge like i don't know if chickens can be considered like brick shit houses but these were like brick shit house chickens that's totally the name of my new chicken spot, by the way. <laughs> those are the ones I sent you the pictures of. I told oh, you yeah, I those things were to... massive. Yeah. I told you I wanted to Photoshop Trogdor arms on them. <laughs> Thinking that this was a thing that I had thought of on my own being hilarious. No, it's not. Really? Um, so obviously, uh-huh. I am not. I have not dipped my toes into chicken culture very much. <laughs> but... I did I did a Google and then I did an Etsy and they're like it's a whole thing. People like 3D print arms for their chickens. <laughs> okay. Like I, I'm not even okay, first off, that that was a weird way to phrase that, like to, to put that okay. Very odd <laughs> emphasis. I'm gonna send you a picture. I'm just mostly fascinated because every time I think that I've gotten a handle on like I guess subcultures, but yet you never find, you never realize that certain things exist. All right, hold on a second. I'm getting this picture. Oh, that's a very judgmental Caden. Oh no, that's a, that's Caden being mad. <laughs> yeah, that's Caden. That's Caden in his feelings. And some of them, some of them are are like you know, like this one's like Hulk arms. And then there are some that I've seen that were like it's somebody like three D printed like the chicken flipping people off and like T Rex arms and just like all these like silly things. Oh, here we go. Whoa. That was a very weird thing. Like, that picture, like, <laughs> what is, wait, time out. So, like, all right. First off, this rooster with the with the Hulk arms. Yes. I think that's my favorite one. The rest of these, I'm like, I didn't realize this is, like, a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Chicken arms. Chicken arms. Arms for chickens. So, wait, how do you even attach these? I have so many questions. <laughs> So basically what it is, is it's like a little scarf. Okay. It's like a little handle that wraps around their little chicken neck situation and just sits on it. All I'm going to say is, um, sometimes when you watch like, well, maybe not now, but a certain time of like, you know, during the era of when animals attack and people are like, how is this possible? (laughs) And then all I'm going to think of my head is chicken arms. Chicken arms. <laughs> it's like not since Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds has there ever been such a terrifying display of foul play. <laughs> and I have ruined it. <laughs> oh no, I love that. That was great. No, my main thing is just looking at like like the the things that we as a society can do with a 3D printer. And and this is what you chose? Chicken arms? It's either that or weaponry, so I'll take the chicken arms. No, like, they're using 3D printers to do, like, cool, like, scientific shit uh, that I don't know about, because, like, I just, 
do Excel all day. But like <laughs> scientists <laughs> use it for science and, you know, progressing humanity towards like Star Trek shit. And I, I don't think that chicken arms falls under that category of like progressing humanity. See, you say that, but I guarantee you in another 15 years, those chicken arms will be how we get the Galactic Federation. <laughs> like, chicken arms are somehow, in a very roundabout way, going to bring about Starfleet. <laughs> you laugh now, and you're like, chicken arms are pointless until we are in space, on Deep Space Nine. Maybe the Enterprise. I don't, I'm not sure which version we're going to be in. Probably not going to start that great. It's going to be small. It's going to be more of like a Voyager, like... You know, it's it's Aww. an odd crew, but like you know, we're not gonna get to the big sweeping. You might all right. Tell you what, I don't know how this is gonna happen, but you know what, I'm gonna make this bold declaration, and it's not because of this beer I had, but chicken arms will be the wave of the future. <laughs> it's gonna be the hot new thing in 2022 for at least a solid week. It's not gonna be long, but chicken <laughs> arms are gonna be the new thing. Like I'm talking, it's gonna be big. Yeah, that's right. August 13th through the 17th, all anybody's going to be talking about is chicken arms. You heard about them here first. <laughs> Cut to the fucking theme song. <laughs> you are listening to Talking Like a Teen, the podcast where we have a tendency to rush back into our past. Uh, I am Captain Cisco. I'm Captain Janeway. What up? Yo. So, yeah, um, it is the future. Um, so Chicken little, arms. Little do you know that as the theme song was playing, uh, we shot ahead at least a solid 30 years into the future. Uh, we are both in space. Um, we are piloting um, our own ships we got our own crew um well my crew's a little uh, a, kind of a skeleton crew see ashley's got like a whole dog and like a sentient sewing machine <laughs> and, and garris garris vicarian is here no fair you get garris and apparently you're also getting tolly like i want can i can i at least have morgan i know she's never been to space but can i have morgan <laughs> oh man i still that fucking tweet so hi, hello. This is a it this is now the Bioware fan podcast. We've done this before, we'll do it again. Um <laughs> somebody somebody tweeted a tweet not too long ago that derailed my productivity for like half a day that basically asked the question like who from the Mass Effect universe would be friends with who from the Dragon Age universe. And I sat there and thought about it for way too fucking long and wrote like mini dissertations to both you and poor Katie who doesn't care and just humors me. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of this because in my head, Oh, I had, a, and that was the thing. I actually thought about this for a couple of days after we originally discussed it, because mm. I was thinking who would be a fun pairing because I almost want Tully like mass effect three, Jack and Liliana to be friends. Ooh, 
Would Liliana? So I I still think the correct answer is is baby Liliana from Origins and and Tally. Yes, that is also a really good call. Would would Jack like chilled out Jack? Would chilled out Jack be friends with Liliana? I Liliana think so. is is a little goody goody, but at the same time, you can make her kind of murdery in that game. Right. I think I think if she, if you if you push her a little bit more murdery, I think that works. See, I think of it as like um, Breakfast Club, like Ali Sheedy <laughs> and Molly Ringwald, where uh-huh. you don't think at first like these are two completely different people because one of them is like from an outside perspective, they couldn't be more different. But at the end of the day, like there's still this undercurrent of they both have like this darkness to them. That's it's it definitely informs their character. So I think that like Tali could hang out with those two, or, like because and not like murdery in a because you know what it is they're not they're not psychotic because I feel like and maybe this is my one critique about Mass Effect Two is that and you said this I think the last time we talked about this is that in order to get to the basis of why Jack the way she is it's unfortunate that the male shepherd has to basically have sex with her in order for you to like figure this out you have to romance her to get her to do character arc. Basically. Which is, yeah, it's unfortunate. But I think that there's a sense of justice there. And it's not like, okay, because there's some characters in these games where it's like, I'm murdery just because I find murder to be cool. But I think yeah. that, and obviously Tali, I mean, come on, you've seen her. Like, she is pretty much, like, next to Dominic Toretto, like, the most deadly fictional character <laughs> with a shotgun. I love her so much because she's so sweet and such a giant dork. And then she's just like, but also... I will shoot you in the face. Not to sound rude, but that reminds me of someone uh, very dear to me. <laughs> I don't know. Or she, I'm sure she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give me my Garrison Tally buddy action game, you cowards. Oh, man, I want that so bad. It's it's fun because, like, I had this, I, I made Katie have this conversation with me because you two sort of yin and yang each other as far as what games you've played. Cause she's finished all three of the dragon age games and like is probably about halfway through the first mass effect game. Whereas you played origins in like a minute or two of DA two. And that was it as far as dragon age. I got to so. whenever you get to fight like a actual dragon. And that's where I noped myself out of the equation. It was like <laughs> pirate girl was upset at me. Didn't have to fight a dragon and I kept losing. And I'm like, I'm tired of fighting wave after wave of nameless hordes in the same two dungeons. So that dragon is optional. Wait, what? There, You don't have to fight the dragons in Dragon Age 2. You are not dead ass. Please don't tell me this now. <laughs> no, I'm angry. Not at you. I'm just angry because I was stuck on that for the longest. And I could have swore that I had no choice but to fight those dragons. Nah, you can skip that. Oh my god! I still don't play that game anytime soon, though. <laughs> Look, you're lucky. You're lucky. I even agreed to play Andromeda. But please continue. <laughs> oh man! Uh, one day Andromeda. One Who day else I did we say? Because it was like not. It wasn't Caden and Alistair. Who did we pick for Caden? Um, who would be friends with Caden? Hypoth- okay, so I was annoyed. I was annoyed at the first response that was just like basically putting them two together because like hot dudes go together and hot dudes are friends. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like hot dudes are friends, but also like 
Are they? Uh, it depends on a hot dude. Like, are we talking... Oh, well, in this context, these would not be friends. I don't think so. Maybe that's me being ignorant. I don't know. <laughs> that's the thing is, I think either they would adore each other in that, like, Caden being sort of collected and cool and together would kind of ground Alistair from floating away like a balloon. Which he often does. <laughs> so many times and, in Origins is like, like Alistair, I love you, but whatever are you talking about? I love Alistair so much. He's such an idiot. And <laughs> and Alistair being, you know, just two Cheetos bouncing around in his head would, would cause Caden to have some fun every once in a while. So, like, I could see it working, but I could also see them just hating each other. Himbo overload. Yeah. <laughs> like, that might actually have to be the subtitle for that DLC. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. There's a character in Inquisition that I think would actually be the correct answer. There's a, a Grey Warden, this, like, older, embattled Grey Warden guy named Blackwall, who I think, I think he and Caden would sit down in and be serious next to each other. And that would be, they would be, like, quiet best friends. I almost want to pick like Iron Bull and Vega. See, and I said that too. Nice. Mostly because it'd be fucking hilarious to just like watch Freddie Prince Jr. talk to himself. <laughs> because he voices he voices both characters. But also they're just both kind of like, I don't know, meat like meatheads. But they're like lovable meatheads. Yes, agreed. Like it takes Vega a lot like a long time to be likable because I know that Mass Effect has you do this thing of you can play the shepherd that's like up with aliens and hey like i'm cool or then it's like all right if you want to go totally pro-human you can't but my god <laughs> the game a really a couple of options the and game really does force your hand to just be like you know these humans uh i guess maybe that's the point i almost wonder if that looking back if that really is the point is to make the humans, not unlikable, but a little dull compared to the personalities of the alien characters. And I don't necessarily think that either Caden or Ashley or even Vega are really that boring. I think it's just honestly that the the alien characters are so cool just because they're different. You know, it's not a dude or a chick, you know, bitching about whatever the fuck. They're, they're different. That is true. And yet, I've been watching... Um, Berlizzi um, or Berlin, the YouTuber, play the first Mass Effect. It's it's been a lot. Um, <laughs> I've been spamming Ashley with like screenshots and quotes of this thing, and I'm glad that Ashley likes Mass Effect as much as she does because most people probably would have blocked me by now. So I do appreciate you like wholeheartedly. <laughs> I just remember you, at one point you texted me and told me not to watch it because the way that he does combat makes you angry. And if it makes you angry, it's definitely going to make me angry. See, but, me laugh. I mean, which is a fair way to, I mean, you could just say that I have, um, I'm easily frustrated actually. Because you know? <laughs> no, no, it infuriated me because I know that. All right. In our last Mass Effect discussion, we had a little bit where we're talking about how I'm very much a pro-soldier and I'm not good with powers, whereas you are... That's where I live. 
warping people you're throwing people yes. you're like scarlet witch over here like yes. all right me i'm like look can i just fire at them from a distance because trying to set up like biotic abilities especially in the first mass effect where every enemy's default is let's just bum rush <laughs> that's why i love throw like that one throw and lift especially in the first game those biotic powers where you can just like yeet somebody six feet in the air or throw them six feet away like that rules to me it's so fun one of the most infuriating things to ever happen in first mass effect is trying to be posted up trying to set up like a, a, a fraction of some sort of like tactic and having an enemy just run up on you point blank and then throw you it sends me into a blind rage <laughs> And that, that's my main issue with, with ME1 is like, if you like to play a character that's ranged in any way, like I usually do the infiltrator build, I'll do that build or the sentinel build. The infiltrator build is basically like, here's some powers, but also sniper rifles. So basically you just post up from like behind everyone and just like pick dudes off one at a time. That's really fun. Um, in ME one, that's damn near impossible. You just yep. because because you've got all the enemies that just run up on you, and it's like go away. <laughs> yeah, it's just like relax. Like so, why even bother having the ability to try to set up your companions and yourself in any sort of capacity when you're at this point? It's just a constant blitz attack. I think the legendary edition does make that somewhat better, but I don't want to oversell it to you and say that it fixes all of it. Oh, that's right. Actually, now that I think about it, we have like a nice little bit of a story arc here because we had done, this was what, pre-pandemic actually, our first Mass Effect Bioware series of episodes? Yeah, yeah I was definitely still in Florida at that point in time. And then the Panini happened. Um, yes. Then we got to talk to Jennifer Hale, which I will never shut up about because I'm still kind of reeling from that. I'm still terrified. It was so fun and she was so nice, but the whole entire, like I took that day off work and was just like, basically like anxiety, like pacing around my oh apartment my gosh, for like so four hours. No, it was fine. She's just like a real person who's very scary. <laughs> uh, and then she ended up being like the nicest human being on the planet. It was very cool. It really was. So yeah, we hadn't really talked much Mass Effect since then because actually I don't think we ever really got to talk about well the legendary edition which was released uh shortly thereafter that um because around the time that we talked to her was i'm sorry to mean to cut you off i apologize no no, no i was just gonna say the legendary edition came out may 2021 so right because the election hadn't happened yet because that was during the nerds vote campaign yes that was when when we talked to her yeah okay so yeah legendary edition happened and then we got a little bit more. Wait, did they even know? At that point, we didn't even. There wasn't even a teaser for the next Mass Effect from the Game Awards. That hadn't happened yet, right? Or no? No, I don't think so. Holy shit! That's oh man. It's so yeah. It's we're a, a little behind on like at least publicly talking about this because I know you and I screamed at each other via text <laughs> and phone calls. But yeah, so the little the little teaser doesn't give you much, like. There's an Asari in it. It looks like Liara. It's probably Liara. And it's just this Asari basically on this like snowy planet. You can see that she's got some some peeps with her, but like it's nothing to indicate that it's the old crew or anything. And there's just there's still like a bunch of Easter eggs within the image and the and the little teaser trailer. Um 
that developers have said, like, people haven't even found everything yet. So they kind of make it sound like they're going to try to tie together the the Milky Way stuff. So like the OG trilogy and Andromeda. But it also sounds like it's still like pre-production. Like they're still kind of flushing that whole thing out. So it's going to be a minute. Which is fine. Like, I'm okay with the idea of having to wait a little bit. Yeah, give me Dragon Age 4, bitch. <laughs> Which I think this is where you and I legit like have our uh, Brian O'Connor, Vin Diesel, like, you know, Toretto <laughs> fork in the road. Because <laughs> I know you feel Dragon Age a lot more than I do. And don't get me wrong, I do enjoy, you know, the Dragon Age I have played. Um, I did actually did play some of Inquisition, but as I've said in the previous episode, um, I was heavily medicated during that time and I don't remember a lot of it. I think if you, even if you just hit a summary of DA2 going into Inquisition, I think you would like Inquisition. But I, it's weird. I'm not a completionist in the, I need to like platinum, like every game or, you know, that kind of thing. But I feel like I would have to replay two just because so much of it was blocked from my memory at the time (laughs) that I don't think reading a summary, I would have to actually play a ver Even if I do like the simplest difficulty just to breeze through it, I feel like I, I, I would have to play it. Yeah. And that's one of those things, like, if it if it ever gets to that point, like, I can tell you what you need to do and what you don't need to do. I can get your playthrough down to 15, 20 hours, honestly. Um, I still want to go to that idea that we had teased about, like, possibly maybe even doing, like, a lashing. Because I feel like... With one of us playing and the other, like, providing commentary, I think would be very funny. Agreed. (laughs) Or actually you yelling at me because I'd probably be playing Dragon Age 2 horribly. (laughs) I don't know. You'll have to ask Katie if I yelled at her. I feel like I probably didn't. But I also know that I took the controller from her a few times and was just like, (laughs) you're doing it wrong. Let me do it. (laughs) Assuming direct control. Basically, yes. <laughs> again, like DA2 has some of those like weird difficulty spikes that DA1 oh, has. Yeah, like a whole bunch, like, actually, like a yeah. whole bunch. It's <laughs> you put that so like politely. No, it's it's horrific because it goes from zero to what the absolute fuck so quickly, so many times. It's for me, like the difficult spikes in Origins are. The dragon fights, mm-hmm. the which is technically the Flemeth fight. God and damn, then, that fights too. <laughs> that the rage uh, quitting. <laughs> oh my god, that fight is more difficult than the fucking like boss fight. It, I don't know why it sucks. It sucks so much shit. It's Flemeth. She's an absolute badass. Like why? Why would you even square up against her? I can even tell before she transforms that that would be a lot. The only way I manage to do it, I do the same thing every time, is if you scoot, she's like kind of on a hill, if you scoot far enough down the hill, and you're a ranged character, so like, if I'm not an archer, I'll use like Liliana or whatever, I just park myself and then a mage down there and just like cheese it. It's super boring, it takes like 25 minutes, it sucks, but that's like the only way I can manage to get through it. (laughs) Oh, I... 
as someone who was very like, oh, let me get a sword and hack at her for two hours straight. <laughs> good, good luck with that. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the thing. I had no luck. <laughs> I honestly don't know how I got past it. Like, I could not tell you. I had no strats. It was... Because I, I told us that story where, like, the weekend where that game came out and I got it, I essentially answered no phones. It's like, my computer stayed off. I had ordered, like, three, like, medium pizzas from Domino's, and I just went through this game, like, for a whole weekend. And I could not tell you how I got through that fight. Like, I just... But there was a, a lot of rage quitting and a lot of drinking. So, you know, it's on par for a lot of Bioware games where it's like, oh, hey, this is a lot of fun. I'm having... Look at all these companions. I'm making friends. This one's weird. I'm chatting with everybody. Then the world ends. <laughs> then you have to actually try... <laughs> <laughs> which is why like watching um Berlizzi play mass effect like anytime he dies like the editing is great because it's like basically uh zooming on his camera and it looks like a rain effect like out a window and dearly beloved from like kingdom hearts plays <laughs> just like in memoriam flashes yeah. on the screen it's a lot actually the one thing if we ever do get into game streaming i do it totally off topic I really want to go back to playing like Yakuza, like in depth. Oh my god! <laughs> you want to talk? I've never played any of those games. Oh my! Like actually, like I'm not saying this in a like how dare you, but I will say you kind of have to. Like I feel like I know I... you. You love like games with complicated lore. <laughs> Yakuza's like it's all of that and more. I just have so much brain and I need to fill it with as much useless bullshit as possible. But the Yakuza series is smart because, and I wish every game would do this, is that for every, like, especially with the sequels, there, sorry, one second. Where's this train fucking going? <laughs> it's just like, to Georgia. Leaving on a midnight train. I read them in his world. They live with that in my <laughs> I missed it. I missed it. This time in that train in Georgia. <laughs> oh, oh man. But like um, I I there is something that I wish more games would do, especially for games that are very long standing that you know have a deep well actually that's not true because the Mass Effect series I know does have the codex which does kind of give you more of a glossary but it's not quite it's not quite the same whereas in Yakuza so like okay let's say with Yakuza 2 3 and onward mm -hmm. there are like cinematics like there are like things in Oshman's that will get you to catch up where it does like kind of give you it's basically like a, a clip show of the highlights of the previous game so even if you don't know like the ins and outs, it gives you like the highlights of the games prior. On the previous season of Buffy. Yes, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. That's exactly what it is. Fair enough. I know I know I I downloaded Yakuza 3. I think at one point it was um like a PS plus game. I only downloaded it on PS3 and it took up like three quarters of my of my PlayStation memory and I was like, I don't know that I'm willing to commit all of this. 
I'm sorry. I don't know if I told the story of the podcast. I sometimes feel like I repeat myself a lot and I try not to. I'm only laughing when you say I can never hear Yakuza 3 without laughing hysterically. And I don't know if um, our buddy Atlas, shout out to Atlas. Yay, Atlas. We love Atlas. So much. He's busy. Um, He's busy playing Destiny right now. It's fine. Which I feel like we got to have him on to talk Destiny because I like between your love of Bioware, my love of like, okay, so let me, okay, I'm going to tell the Atlas story real quick. Um, Long story short, Yakuza 3, we had played the first one together. I think we played a little bit of the second one together because basically he lived at my apartment on weekends we get to the third one it's like ps3 this is gonna be great and the first half of the game you're taking care of children in an orphanage and it's like yikes but it's no it's actually very sweet but i don't want to like go into the whole storyline okay it's just if you think you're gonna start this game out like punching people in the face um it eases you in very slowly okay fair enough (laughs) but actually i i think about this video game series wise because i don't know do i have like a thing, because I know obviously Atlas is very Destiny. You're very like Bioware. <laughs> what would be mine? Would it be Fallout? Or I don't know, from your perspective, because I don't know, what's my like video game, like maybe Zelda? Maybe Zelda. Um, I don't know. Cause you you also do you do dabble in the dark arts of the JRPG. And I don't have a lot of other friends oh, that I don't do. Dabble, like I'm in it for life. <laughs> Because here I am. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait. Hold on a second. Oh, you think darkness is your ally. I was born into it. And molded by it. I didn't know Western RPGs till I was a man. <laughs> I am oh here to God. fulfill Square Enix destiny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone can talk shit about that movie and how it sucks. But I do, I do unironically enjoy it. <laughs> You play video games like young men. Admirable, but mistaken. (laughs) Oh, Bane. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but like, that movie is a lot, but I just, I want to be in uh, Tom Hardy's preparation where it's like, this is the voice. This This is is what we're going with. I nailed it. Because Atlas and I, especially me, I think Atlas is better at this than I am because I am a horrible person. Sometimes, like, every time he spoke, I was convulsing. Like, I was in my chair trying so hard not to just scream laughing because I don't know what it was about his voice, but it tickled me to the point where it was just so funny. And he's saying these lines that are threatening, that are like, yeah. And yet, every time he spoke, it's just kind of like, no. I just remember being in the theaters feeling like, can we get some subtitles or some shit? Can somebody turn the closed captioning on? Because I'm missing like two thirds of what this dude is and saying. They, and they cleaned it up for the trailer. Because remember when he showed the teaser trailer? And they're like, and it was oh, worse. Boy. It was like, reckoning. I'm like, what? And I'm like, sir, what? Enunciate, bud. Also, a, a little problematic because no, other than I think like Young Justice, no one has ever figured out that Bane. Um, first off, is very South American. <laughs> and he's also ridiculously intelligent. That was the whole point of Bane is like, he's essentially the guy who uh, like broke Batman. That's something yeah. that not even Joker was able to do because he has the intellect and the ridiculous strength behind him. 
Like, how do we forget this? But sure, Tom Hardy in a mask that he wore for no reason. Okay. <sighs> also, I know my father doesn't listen to this because anytime I slander Tom Hardy in his presence, he gets very upset. <laughs> Love you, Dad. Oh, but we're talking about Bioware. Okay. But yeah, like, I just, I think you would love the Yakuza series a lot. I'm down. Um, I also have to play uh, the Persona series. That was another one that you instructed me that I needed to play. Oh, man. I'm behind, dude. It's fine. It's okay. I'm behind also. But I also know that you are not as big on JRPGs as you are Western RPGs. And that's totally cool. Uh, it's not for <laughs> for all of our joking about my brain and its ability to like process unnecessary lore. Like JRPGs have a lot going on. And it can sometimes be difficult to follow where I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> and unlike a Western RPG where most of them are like, you know, it's some fantasy bullshit or some spacey bullshit or, you know, nuclear fallout bullshit. Like more often than not, you can sort of parse what's happening because it makes logical sense. Uh, logical sense has no fucking place or time in a JRPG most of the time. And I guess to me, like my counter argument is it does. It's just a lot more indirect where a lot of things are okay. And I'm in, in this context, I guess I'll use like the final fantasy series as a, as a basis where sure. the plots do make sense, but it's a very indirect because usually with like Western RPGs, in a lot of ways, I think they're kind of structured just like a standard movie where, you know, it's like set with three acts. Here's your protagonist. Here's, you know, their introduction. Here's challenge. Here's your climax. Whereas yeah. JRPGs, it's all it's like of your, momentum. yeah, like a lot of your story is in like the, like the periphery, like the side, the side quests where like you can pretty much choose. And I think I would argue like, especially like in a Fallout or maybe even Elder Scrolls, you could do the side quests if you want. You could not do them. But you can pretty much, for the most part, get through the main story by doing as very little of the side stuff. Whereas in JRPGs, the side stuff is your game. Which is why I feel like sometimes like it takes the long way around. Which I think is what happened, at least to me early on, was I couldn't follow it as much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, maybe that might be a bad explanation. I may not even be like helping support my case at all. That might actually be making it worse. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. A lot of times it's just, it gets to the realm of, of silliness where I'm like, I, it's too silly. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. But at the same time, like if you sit down and parse some of the video games that I actually do play, like they're also silly. It's just different. Uh, but I understand what you mean. Like, I feel like Skyrim is very much in this way where like you can, you can process as much or as little lore as you want to. And still have fun. You can get all nerdy and read all 300 and some odd books and, and do all of that and think too hard about the Civil War and, uh, you know, all the political impacts and stuff. Or you can just uh, ride a demon pony around and shoot arrows into guys. And that's also fun. Which is why I think you'll absolutely love Breath of the Wild, because that's I think they took that very kind of structure of making this game where because... The crux of this, like most of the story, I guess, has technically already happened. Mm -hmm. You're now having to sort of retrace your steps and pick up the pieces. But because one thing I know 
bugs, I think, people with a lot of open world games is the idea of being kind of stuck in this vast world and not really knowing where you're going. Because that was honestly the beauty of Skyrim to me was just being in this world. And obviously, once it got free, because you're like, oh, you're awake. And you know, it's like, oh, crap, I'm going to be executed. Dragon shows up. And my thing is, well, time for me to go. Because even before the game tells me to leave, I see flapping wings. I'm gone. Right. <laughs> I'm doing a dash. I don't even... <laughs> Society has conditioned me for this moment. And in this moment, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Thank you. Bye. There were so many moments in Skyrim where I'm like, oh, hey, what's down here? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But that was almost the fun of it because, yes, you're right. There is this very deep political story that is actually pretty fun because I love those type of games and those type of stories. But it was just so fun to just be like, all right, I have food. I have healing items. I have weapons. Let's just go out into the world, see what we can get into. If I come across anything that looks interesting, I'll check it out. The storyline was like the last thing I did. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't want to speak for everyone, but that sounds like that's a lot of people's experience. And I i love a game that just drops me in a place and is like, all right, well, here's some weapons and stuff. I guess uh, see you later. <laughs> and just kind of leaves me to my own devices to, you know, right. find my bearings and figure it out. I wish Fallout 4 did that better. But the story that it sets you up with, I feel, is a lot more immediate. (laughs) So when you do a lot of the meandering stuff, it's like, wait, wasn't there this whole, like, big thing I was supposed to be taking care of? (laughs) Wasn't I supposed to be finding my kid? I was like, I'll get her onto it eventually. He's fine. (laughs) Like, whatever. He's probably got a babysitter or something. Somebody's taking care of him. Otherwise, he's dead, and this whole thing is just uh, for naught. Though part of me almost feels like they should have kept, like, The twist of that game should have been the fact that you don't realize that it's been as long as you think it has. I thought that was the twist of the game, to be perfectly honest. But I feel like early on, they're like, hey, it's been several, like, it's been a long time. And you're like, well, I kind of wish I had. (laughs) Well, okay. It's been a long time. Shouldn't have met you (laughs) without a dope beat to step two, step Ah! two, step two, step two. (laughs) Anyway. Oh my gosh. I was like, all right. Have you been like, that is definitely, you've been like Loki hanging out with Eileen way too much. (laughs) (laughs) I love that fucking song so much. It's so good. But I know that's why you love Breath of the Wild. Because I feel like, okay, I don't know if this was deliberate with Skyrim, but I feel like with Skyrim, it's kind of accidental. Whereas Breath of the Wild, it wants you to get lost. It wants you to just meander and explore. And I was telling Eileen this uh, yesterday. Um, we were out having dinner uh, for his birthday. And I was saying to Eileen, like, I wish I could play that game again for the first time. Because, like, that game is now five years old because that was one of the Switch launch titles. Mm-hmm. Like, I just played it, like, within the last, what, year, year and a half? Mm-hmm. Fairly recently. And keep in mind, before that, though, I really didn't know much about the game. Like, I didn't really read much on it other than some fan art, a couple of clips of people dying very hilarious deaths. (laughs) I didn't really know much about it. So it's just like, all right, let's just go. And it's this great just experience because once the story does happen, it's very cool. But I honestly, that's one of the few games I did not want to end. Like, have you ever had that? Like, has there ever been like a game where... (laughs) You kind of wish you could play it again for the first time? Uh, there are six of them. <laughs> um, 
like the closest I will ever get probably to replaying like Dragon Age for the first time was watching Katie do it and watching her fall into some of the same traps that I did and being like having certain plot twists and things happen and certain betrayals and sort of things and her just like getting caught up in that moment. And I was just like, oh, I remember when that was a surprise and not a thing that I knew. (laughs) (sighs) And playing like Mass Effect 3, man, I if I could play Mass Effect 3 again for the first time, I would do it in a heartbeat. That game, that game fucking wrecked me. And I, I get it, you know, meme ending, blah, blah, blah. But like the ending really did fucking destroy me emotionally. Or <laughs> <laughs> I just like cried for like 45 minutes afterwards and it was fine. But like, yeah, those games just and, you know, I love them so much. So like, yes, obviously, like I would love the chance to go back and play them again for the first time just to experience all of that in its own, you know, without all of the pre-existing knowledge that I have now. And that's why, like, I'm being patient about Dragon Age 4 because I have to be, and it sounds like they are making strides. But, like, I'm so looking forward to Dragon Age 4. I'm ready for new Dragon Age stuff. And I I want to be able to see Dragon Age the way you see it. And I'm not just saying that just to kind of, like, be nice or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the way you talk about Dragon Age, it's, like, the way, like, I talk about, like, Zelda games and... I know it's not necessarily my favorite series. Like I said, Origins, I did love. But I do want to try to make a conscious effort to go back and revisit that. Because I feel like doing so, it would be... I think it'll feel like playing it again for the first time. Because I also admit that a lot was going on when I tried to play those games. Mm -hmm. Because there was just so many games that were coming out at that time. Because I know around the time that Dragon Age 2, when I was playing that, like... Portal 2 was a thing. Um, L.A. Noir, I think, was also out. Yeah, so was, there was yeah a, it came out around the same time. Yeah, so like there was a lot of games that I don't think I ever really gave... By the time I did get to Dragon Age 2, it was like... I. <laughs> it wasn't like it was like, oh, it's bad because it's not these games. But in addition to me not like having that issue of not it not feeling kind of like what Origins felt like. <laughs> whereas at Origins, I was feeling like I was getting you know engrossed into a story where Dragon Age 2 just felt... I know it's a very weird critique or even complaint where a video game feels too much like a video game. <laughs> Whereas Origins felt like I'm this is like an interactive book. It took me I do remember this from my first playthrough of Dragon Age 2. It took me several hours to finally get invested in these characters because I kept just kind of I kept just kind of wanting to know where where my my old friends were. Where, you know, it's me standing around going like, "Where's Poochie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> where you know, where is Alistair? Where is Morrigan? Like, we see you see Flemeth in the very beginning, but like, I don't know. I just I I wanted it to feel more like Origins, and it didn't. Right, and I got frustrated at that, and then finally realized like I'm not gonna have any fun if I want it to be. If, if I want the follow-up album to be the same as the debut album, I'm, that's not what's happening here. It's obviously different, so I need to embrace the difference. And finally, you know, came around. Like, it's still... It's still the least... My least favorite of the Dragon Age games, and I think it's the weakest, and I think anybody... I don't want to speak for everybody. I think most people would, would agree with that, but it's not without its own merits, and I think I think it's worth experiencing just once. I think Dragon Age 2, 
tried to pull a Mass Effect 2, and I think it suffered for it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not, okay, I'm going to keep it a whole buck. Mass Effect 2, the start of that game, like, it got me. I mean, granted, the whole very opening of being like, wait, I start by getting, like, nuked? Like, oh, hey, you're on a ship, and it's whatever, and oh, wait a minute, oh, I'm dead. And I'm like, okay, I know for a fact this is all right, uh, spoilers, by the way, but these games are over a decade old. Relax. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell Katie she's not allowed to listen to this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. It's fine. No, it's fine. Um, um, but like, I. Okay. I'm sorry. Con- no, continue, because I'm going to interrupt you and, and completely derail your thought. So finish your thought, and then I'll. But I'll like, be okay. An afterwards. The. Mass Effect 2, like, okay, given, okay, taking all the, okay, this is less having to do with story, because the story got me, like, it had me, even with the sort of, I feel like, cheap opening, mm-hmm. that whole exchange between Miranda and the elusive man, I think, is solid writing, solid acting. It's cool. Like, yeah. that's how you get me in a game. Once I actually got to the gameplay mechanics, I'm like, oh, this is, like, because you know me, I'm an RPG nerd. Mm-hmm. Like I'm give me armor, give me like enchantments, give me all like the stats, all that kind of thing. Mass Effect 2 is very much the diehard 2 <laughs> to like you know the first one where it's like, okay, this is familiar, but it's just we're gonna concentrate more on action and less on character development. At least that's what I thought at first, because it's like Wait, you mean to tell me that I don't get to do all the cool armor stuff? And I'm just, you know, I, it's most like there's no overheating guns. Like it took a, so, a, a considerable amount of the RPG out of it. But at least what it was replaced with was solid. Mm-hmm. So at first it's like, oh, this isn't like the first one, but this is also very good. You know, at least that's how I felt. And the third one was like even more straight out because at this point it's like, this is the war. Like this is so. So I, I, like, at first, I wasn't really with it, but at the same time, it's like, I got so engrossed because I think what it what it gave us instead was considerably strong. But I think Dragon Age 2 tried something similar where it's like, we're going to try to go all killer, no filler, but it lost some of its charm to me. I don't think it had the strength of the solid characters and the writing that Mass Effect was able to do. Well, and I think uh, Mass Effect 2 was given, like, almost two years to put together. Oh, that's right. DA, DA2 got 16 months, which is nothing. Nothing as far as putting together a video game. Yay, crunch. But, <laughs> yeah, yay. We treat people humanely, we promise. That's what EA stands for. Um, <laughs> so, the first time I played through the beginning of ME2... Like, when when the spoiler happens at the very beginning, I laughed, <laughs> which is probably not the response they were looking for. I thought it was very funny. Because I'm just like, come on, game. Like, <laughs> it's a very drastic way to bring your character back to zero. Like, right. Um. <laughs> And now it's one of those like I can't I can't play through that without thinking of the Monster Factory video. <laughs> and and Justin Justin McElroy very aptly pointing out like this is this is all just to get us back to zero. Like 
<laughs> I could not drink Capri's. Like, I couldn't look at Capri Suns after that because I remember watching the episode because um, <laughs> the kids, especially his stepdaughter, like, she lived off of Capri Suns. Like, like we packed that in every one of her lunches. And yet, oh, my God, like. <laughs> love. <laughs> oh my god not not that the fucking McElroy's need any fucking press cause like they're doing just fine on their I'm own but sorry. goddamn, the monster the monster factory series is a gem and the I'm, mass effect I'm, episode especially yes. is if you are not concerned about being spoiled on the beginning moments of of mass effect 2 then by all means go watch it because it's very fucking funny i just uh, love that fallout 76 went out of its way to reference final pam yes that was <laughs> that great like going house. into it was amazing i'm like okay not for nothing i can't hate on this game because that alone made it worth it you i think it was you i know atlas was there so i can believe it was you me atlas g might have been there but we found we found the final pam house Right. It was that was gold. It was very funny. <laughs> Made me smile. Oh man. But like there's a reason why we keep coming back to this because there's so much to talk about with these series and I know there's been like a lot of shakeups with Bioware with personnel and of course, you know, Anthem not really panning out. Yikes. But I'm really trying to kind of like I'm really trying to like temper my expectations only because knowing how we feel about the series or the series rather like mm-hmm. I, I like the Mass Effect thing is hype like I'm every at least once a week I will look at that teaser image and I'm trying to find what they're looking at or the things that we're told to look at like some of it's very obvious but yeah I also don't know if that's their way of being like saying that so that way people won't forget that it's happening I don't know it's just I, I want the series you know you know what it is i don't necessarily need it to necessarily bring back shepherd as much as i would love that though all right there's more spoilers here so i don't know if you've been following the news lately um actually i think this was announced within like another like the last day or two but Mm -hmm. supposedly they're making a sequel to the will smith adaptation of i am legend i did i saw the headline that said that i didn't look into it any further um, because you have seen the movie, right? Yes. Okay. So, because you're in your head, you're thinking to yourself, "Wait a minute, isn't Will Smith dead in that movie?" <laughs> Turns out they're using the unused alternate ending, which supposedly was despised by test audiences and scrapped, as a basis to bring him back. Interesting, but okay. So, like, I almost wonder because I feel like if they're trying to bring commander shepherd back they would have to make one specific ending the canon ending um, which would then kind of go back to the initial issue by nullifying that ending that had caused like that whole debacle made headline news like on national television mm-hmm. about the whole ending and you know fans not being happy with it and then they went back and redid it and I, I know there's different schools thought about whether or not they should have, but whatever. <laughs> I'm worried that, okay, in trying to bring back familiar characters, like, 
I almost feel like in order for, to me, like what would make more sense with Mass Effect 5 or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely would love to have Jennifer and Mark, you know, back as Shepard. That would be great. Yeah. But I also want there to be a way that the choices that other characters made or other people played. I mean, to be fair, though, I guess if you're doing it for this gen with the Legendary Edition, you technically could still use the save files depending on how those games are ended, right? But wouldn't you almost have to write two different games? Sorry, I'm probably going way too, like, heady with this, and I'm probably <laughs> well, then, losing everybody. That's that's the thing, though. Like, so, uh, spoilers for the ending of Mass Effect 3. Katie, you're really not allowed to listen to this episode. I swear. Um, <laughs> so, with the three endings... Two of them, Shepard dies in the ending. And right. the third ending, the destroy ending, like Shepard can live if you do all the things correctly. But you also have to think about like, yeah, we get it, red, green, blue, haha, funny. But like the the destroy ending, each ending really does have impacts on that whole fucking world and how that world would work moving forward. Right. If you chose the synthesis ending where everyone becomes AI and the AIs become people, which I never choose that ending because it creeps me out. Like that world is going to exist very, very differently than a world in which, you know, Shepard chose to destroy ending and killed all, all of the AI and all the like synthetic life and that sort of things, you know? And I don't think there's a way to, I don't think there's a way to make a sequel to that that doesn't, that works. Right. That was sort of my school of thought. Yeah. So either you you do what Andromeda did, because I do think like the thought process behind Andromeda was smart. Andromeda was like, okay, well, we still like this universe, but obviously, you know, we don't know how to work within the parameters of the choices given in the original trilogy. So we need to move this somewhere else. And also, if we put it in, you know, in the future, then it, we can still refer to history as much or as little as we need to, and it'd be fine. But even then, like, wouldn't it still, like, okay, let's just say you go through the whole AI um, ending, right? Mm-hmm. The synthesis ending, yeah. The synthesis ending. Even that far along in the future, I don't necessarily see that somehow being undone, like, at some point, like, okay, this just stops. Also, I just feel like that ending kind of makes, I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think that makes much sense because after all this, what would be the point of then choosing that option? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's one that I just, that one just, not that I just thought it was wrong or right. It just doesn't make much sense considering everything else that leads up to this. To go through all of these situations to then just be like, well, I guess I'll just, you know, assimilate. Borg it up. Like, you know, like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> well, and what's weird is, like, that that is the thing that Saren in the first game was sort of pushing towards. Like, that was his goal, was, like, if we work with them and, you know, prove that we're useful, then we can work together and it'll be fine. Um, hi, real quick, uh, talk like a team PSA. Adrian here to tell you that siding with the oppressor will not save you. Thank you. <laughs> the more you know (laughs) (laughs) like it just it makes okay so like 
that is actually a valid point because that's what obviously Saren wanted. But the whole trilogy spends the whole time being like, that's a bad call. Let's stop Saren. So why are you going to spend all these games to stop Saren to be like, well, guess we're just going to then agree with them at the end. But except for the fact that in ME3, they then start down this path of like, hey, we gave we gave your your ship's AI a sexy robot body. Um, and now she wants to be a people. Let her be a people. Teach her how to human. Let her hook up with the pilot and and answer her philosophical questions. And also, let's save the Geth. Now robots have a soul. This union has a soul. Save them. You don't want to destroy all your friends, do you? Like, they push you towards picking the synthesis ending. Well, that's I, a fair point. And I just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't math out for me. Well, I don't like it. I kind of like it to, okay, I do like... I mean, how they went about it, let's say with Edie, and how they went about it with not necessarily the same thing. Because, okay, personally speaking, I don't think Edie necessarily needed to have this, you know, hashtag male gaze eye roll yeah. here kind of thing. Like, because obviously these two kind of formed this bond, you know, prior to that. The, the groundwork was there from the beginning. But because, mm-hmm. you know, it is, I think so much of. And I think that's kind of the idea, and maybe it wasn't fully fleshed out or expanded on as much as maybe it should have been. And maybe that's sort of why that teaser image, you know, makes such a point of, all right, we're just spoiling more shit. Like, because of the, the Geth are featured so prominently in that teaser image. Right. Because that's such a cool story concept. Because the first game, we're spent so much time being like, Saren's trying to, you know, get the conduit to bring back the Reapers and it's using the Geth. The Geth are evil. So yeah. let's, let's okay, we got Geth fuck troopers. These, we got Geth. Fuck these little flashlight-headed robots. Let's <laughs> shoot them in their dumb little faces. Right? Like, these Pixar lamps are killing us. Like, <laughs> blow them up, kill them because they're mindless, soulless robots. Yeah. Until you meet Legion. And Legion really challenges your idea of the Geth and the consciousness and also their relationship with the Quarians. Right. And I think that's really cool because a lot of what this game does, because this game does start you very, like, pro-human, like, humans up, aliens down, kind of like, you know, like, because the game almost does make you side with Cerberus at a certain point because you're like, well, we're pro-human. We're obviously the minority in this universe. Why wouldn't we want to leg up? So they, of course, it's like, yeah, we're, you know, human specters and, you know, we have to kind of show our strength because we're kind of looked down on. But the game just, you know, asks you, do you want to do that by force or do that with diplomacy? So when you meet the Geth, you're like, well, we just spent, like I said, these flash-headed robots. We killed so much of these things, but we never really thought to ask why. And that's that's the thing, too, is like, you've got to think about it like, a completionist playthrough is like 40 hours of ME1. You've just spent 40 hours shooting these little flashlight-headed robots, and you even have some some battles with them previously, like when you have to recruit Tally and stuff like that. By the right. time you get Legion, you've spent probably 50 or 60 hours shooting these Geth guys without really thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're on your ass. It's, it's a cool concept. It's wild. It's one of those things that like, it's one of those moments that I will always love and treasure about this game. Like it, it takes that and kind of turns it on its head and it goes, well, why are you sure? 
Because mm-hmm. I always think about that conversation we referenced before, you know, the conversation you have with Rex mm-hmm. about the, oh, humans have had it bad. And then Rex is first one to check you, be like, well, you haven't had, you know, several alien races genetically, you know, concocting this like sterilization protocol. Like it's, it's wild to think about because, you know, you spend some of the time being like, oh, humans have it bad. It's like, oh, do you? Um, have you talked to the Rachni? Um, have you really thought about like the Protheans, even though the one you meet, and that's the other thing too, like, and we talked about before is you spend a lot of time thinking about the Protheans, like, oh man, the Reapers wiped them out, but then you actually get to meet a Protean and really do some digging and like Mass Effect 2 and 3 being like, oh no, the Protheans are kind of, oh no. Yeah, the Protheans are (laughs) warlords, essentially, like colonialist ickiness. But then it does beg you to ask, like, okay, being that, you know, it's kind of like that thing of art. Let's just, you know, bring it to humans. You know, there's been colonizers left and right over, you know, of course, society. Did a lot of screwed up stuff and have forever altered the course of human existence because of this desire for conquest and power. But then I guess they also challenge you, does that necessarily justify them being wiped out? And that's a really hard question to ask because you're like, they're dicks, <laughs> but genocide ain't great either, even yeah. if they are dicks. So it's like, oof. Like, if I want anything from Mass Effect, whatever this number is or whatever, let's not softball it. Let's get into this. Like, let's really get into the weeds of this because I, I know eventually it's a gay, you know, HP and experience points and the weapons, but no, I want to get into some, like, let me get into some heavy dialogue options. Let me up my, like, you know, my, my charm or my persuasion. Like, let me ask the questions and end up feeling like a piece of shit for it. <laughs> Cause I know when I start this, restart this all renegade run, I'm gonna not be okay with this, but you know what? <laughs> Yikes. Cause in Yikes. the first game, it's fun. Cause you're just like, knocking people over the heads for selling bootlegs. But then I'm like, you start having to make decisions that, like, you're a human. You just got here, but you're now making the calls to, like, you know, (laughs) wipe out or save entire groups of characters. So it's like, do I want to do this? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little scared. Renegade. Not going to lie. Renegade's tough. (laughs) But we're going to do it because I had already committed and... I don't know any better. <laughs> Every time. Like, I've I've done... I've made a lot of the big Renegade choices, but I can't seem to string it into one playthrough. Like, I need... I just don't like making my friends sad. <laughs> well, I went ahead and was watching uh, some YouTube videos that are Renegade options for some of those bigger choices later on, and there's mm-hmm. one of them... I, I'm going to have to do it, but it's like I bawled like a baby. Like, what the absolute fuck? Why would anybody choose to do this? I think I know which one you're talking about. And also, I mean, I will also argue that they kind of, they took like a giant like soup ladle and just piled on the melodrama a little bit. But yeah. by the same token, I get it. That's a little too far, but I'm going to have to do it. I said all renegades, so I'm going to have to. Oh, no. But, like, this has been, I guess, the unfortunate thing, um, going back to, like, the whole 
Bioware thing is on one end, I like I said, I'm really excited to see where they go with this. Mm-hmm. Though I do feel bad that I wondered if they're almost stuck in a loop. I'm I'm bummed for them because I think Anthem was was a really great opportunity for them to try something different and to have it fail so <laughs> so in such a spectacular fashion. I think I think they're kind of stuck right now, basically just working on Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and then the the Swotor shit. I don't know. I don't know that they're going to get the opportunity to make something outside of those for a while. And that's a bummer. Yeah, though, I think part of me was almost okay with Anthem imploding because I'm thinking now that what was that one game that just came out, Babylon's Fall, and a few other examples where the limits of the whole games as a service model mm-hmm. are starting to be stretched and they're, they're not even stretched like that band has snapped and it's whipped around and it's now actually causing damage nearby from it whipping around i it was a nice idea and i think what happens a lot of times is when something controversial is done and it's successful you know i you know it opens the gates for everybody to try it where Sometimes certain things are successful almost by accident, mm-hmm. but not every game that comes out needs to have this, Consid- especially considering that there's a lot of games that have come out that have just been, you know, very singular experiences that are just as popular. And it doesn't have to be one or the other, but I think that Anthem was a nice idea. It just, I don't think that that type of game is suited for what Bioware was doing. And I don't. I don't know. I don't know because I I only played the the demo, which I think I played with you. Um, I I don't know if Anthem could have been saved by being a, a you know a single player experience or like an online like a you know like an online co op sort of thing, but you know like structured differently. I don't know if that would have would have saved it, made it more successful. Um, but I think the idea of a studio like Bioware having to constantly come up with new content, I just don't think that it was, I think it was doomed to fail from the get, honestly. Yeah. Especially with it being so outside of their wheelhouse. It's just like so many of the, so many of the players, p- people that play Bioware games looked at that and were like, that's not what we're here for, including myself. <laughs> you have to know your audience. Yeah. And I think that the old Republic, I mean, again, now this is coming from someone who hasn't played it. I mean, obviously I've played the the first two games, but though mm-hmm. I know one of them was actually an Obsidian joint, but yeah. I don't think that that game, like, well, I would argue, feel free to disagree, uh, Twitter, at TLAT Podcast, um, <laughs> but I feel like Star Wars maybe gives it a little more of a, I don't want to say free pass, but it is a little more accessible because it's Star Star Wars. Wars. And it kind of has a built-in fan base where something like Anthem, it's like, okay, other than being like, oh, from the people that brought you Dragon Age and Mass Effect, you're having to start from the ground up. So, And if you're looking at other games, like, I don't know, your Destinies or your GTAs or whatever your other big, like, online, like, even those games didn't start out as successful like they really had to be worked well and like okay so i know destiny like pooped its pants and they had to rebuild it and stuff the other big online games 
are are things that kind of come with a fan base already. You know, it's GTA Online. GTA is one of the most popular video game franchises in existence, if not the most, like, best-selling. Uh, right. Final Fantasy Online. It's fucking huge now. Yeah, it turns out people play Final Fantasy. It's why they've been making fucking Final Fantasy games since, like, 1992 or whatever. But even for the, like, the original 14 was an absolute disaster. Like, it wasn't until, you know, the Realm Reborn, you know, the yeah. revamp that it actually became sustainable. Because before that, it was an absolute shit show <laughs> and now it's literally so popular that they told people to stop buying it for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i was like hey 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 chill 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 hold up stop please please oh, no. Everyone i know down. we just <laughs> and i heard that that new dlc is great and well in elder scrolls another one that's a yeah. huge franchise which however i guess you make the argument fallout too but 76 is still going like it still seems to be like it sounds like it's become a like real fully flushed game like i know the last time you and i tried to play it 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 sort of nerfed it in a way that made it difficult and hopefully they've kind of nailed that figured that out but i don't know i think it's just difficult to to create an online game that's going to have enough staying power out of nothing Especially right. from a a studio that's smaller. So, I don't know. I'm not saying it can't be done. Like, shit happens. But I, I just don't think it was the right move for Bioware. And I think it's bit them in the ass now. And now they're kind of stuck having to basically prove again that they're good at making video games. Which is fucking weird and sad. But Though it's weird. Because I'm thinking to myself, why, if you were going to do this move... Why not just have an online game based on Mass Effect or Dragon Age? The the Mass Effect online, that like online portion from ME3 was super popular. I don't know why they didn't just add more stuff onto that and push that more. Make that its own thing. Because an idea of like almost like a slightly more fantastical like EVE online, like something where like could you imagine like our crew like on a ship? Like how much fun would that be? It would be amazing. It would almost like we would get nothing done. Like I just would. <laughs> <laughs> As a, I would probably end up being a Krogan and just bum rushing everybody. Like it would just, it would be a hot mess. But I feel like the there was a way to go about that if they felt absolutely compelled to do something like Anthem. But I don't know. Like I'm excited to see what's next, but I also know that there's been a lot of personnel changes and. I'm I'm wondering if maybe they had a good run, and obviously, like I said, the 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 fan base is still there. But at this point, I'm just wondering if maybe these next games are just you know ways to hopefully win them back before they try to do the more risky project. And if that's what it is, like good luck to them. Honestly, like you know me, like I'm gonna plunk down my seventy dollars or whatever it's gonna cost for video games at the point in which they come out, like. They've got my money day one as far as these two franchises go. And if they want to make a separate project and it sounds like something that I actually want to play and am interested in, I'll plug down money for that too. Because at the end of the day, like my dollars, my dollars translate into more (laughs) hypothetically more video games for me. So I'm a big fan of that. Very true. But at the same time, there's a lesson to be learned from the EAs, the Bethesdas, even the Biowares, the Rockstars, is 
and I guess this is where all in my point is that hell, even in Nintendo's, you know, for different point is it's great having a built in fan base, but don't play them for suckers, you know? Yeah. Especially in an era where there's so many other avenues where people I think that you you'll have your diehards, but I, I think at this point if people feel like and I'm not talking about the super entitled, you know, toxic players. I'm just talking about your average player who just wants a good experience and will be willing to, you know, support that financially. Don't play them for suckers. You know, and I think that Bioware had to learn a lesson that a lot of companies had to learn. I'm just hoping that in making these games that they don't lose sight of what made them great in the first place. But man, <laughs> this wait is not fun. No. <laughs> It's been since 2015. 2015 was the last time that there was new Dragon Age content. Bruh. <laughs> well, I mean... I don't know, but that Mass Effect, man, like that... I hate to say it because it was like, oh, yeah, you know, Dragon Age would be really cool for those fan base, but once they tease new, dra- uh, new Mass Effect, I'm like, I love y'all, but I need to go back to space. Like... <laughs> Technically, you have a whole ass game that you have not played, and, and neither have you. So you know, I what? know. <laughs> I'm not the one bitching about it. And also, wow. you now have a new shiny original trilogy that you can play too. <laughs> and get all your trophies again, like I did. <laughs> oh, I I didn't even bother getting half of those. I am not playing that game. And I said, "Are you kidding me?" It's actually the first game alone on like a harder difficulty is, not, or the first and the third. I could probably get away with the second, but I, I like, barely got through Mass Effect Three on normal difficulty. I feel like the first game is gonna is gonna end up being the easiest. I keep telling myself this. If one of those banshees screams in my face <laughs> one more time, I'm really like I'm still pretty early in on my my ME three insanity playthrough. I'm like getting ready to do like the Grissom Academy mission. I'm Good really luck. not looking forward to like late game. Nope. I think it's gonna suck shit. I think it's gonna not be fun. But once I got back to Earth, like that whole mission, like that last part where there's just nothing but like yeah. Reaper fight a sorry just roaming the streets. I'm like, let's turn this off. Like, I'm going to play Paper Mario or something because this is some <laughs> bullshit. Oh man. Well, that's enough out of me. So, where can the nice people find you online? Um, I'm currently um making happy accidents on Twitter at TLAT Podcast. <laughs> I always say happy accidents because uh Real quick, short story. Um, I a couple of weeks ago, at least a couple of weeks of this recording, it was the twenty. No, I'm sorry. It was the thirty fifth anniversary of the Legend of Zelda franchise. Yeah, which we've already gone on record to say is one of my favorite franchises of all time, if not my absolute favorite. So I had put together a playlist, uh, which is actually on our Spotify playlist. Uh, look, I'll talk like a teen. Uh, obviously, we'll post in our show notes. Uh, just a quick playlist of some great Zelda-themed covers uh, from some VGM artists that I'm a fan of. Uh, some of them I have interviewed on the other podcasts that do Agent as Issues. And it was meant to be through Agent as Issues. But the whole time, I'm not thinking that I'm doing all this through talking like a teen. 
Uh, so in posting that, I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. People are responding and thank me for sharing. But I'm realizing, oh, wait, this is not the right account. <laughs> Oops. However, um, one of our followers, who I'm trying to get their handle, uh, one of our followers, uh, Samantha G, uh, at Samantha OG or Zero G, uh, did not realize was also huge into video game music, like the, the cover community. Mm-hmm. And also just video game music in general, not even just the covers, but didn't realize they were also into this and were able to kind of have a nice bonding moment over. Yeah, it's like, um, I know they've been to that and we were because I had mentioned Super Bit Fest and they're like, oh, I didn't you know, they didn't know that I was aware of Super Bit Fest. I'm like, well, I watched a virtual event last year, um, but I know it's in person this year and I'm experiencing some major FOMO because. Uh, like this Mega Rand, the Citizens of Eredric, uh, some really cool artists are performing IQ. Like it's, it looks like it's a really great time. So on one end, my bad, because <laughs> uh, I posted on the wrong channel. However, it was cool because it's like that wonderful part of social media. As and to reference something that Tegan and Sarah had posted about, you know, discussing that social media has been such a drag for them. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, because Will glares at everything, which I know, I think, kind of inspired at least partially them doing the Substack newsletters, which is cool, but I couldn't quite abandon it. So I'm glad that at least this accident was allowed me to connect with someone who had followed us and making those connections. It was a nice reminder of, hey, we can still have some cool times on the old socials. Right. It's nice to be reminded every once in a while that we aren't just doing this in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you and I have kind of figured we were probably going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least, you know, for now. Because, and uh, you had sent me something, and I hope uh, he doesn't mind me mentioning it. Um, that that post that, uh, you know, our, our friend Chilwave Kittens had posted. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, weeds of it all, but it was also uh, an other interesting reminder of doing social media stuff can be a lot and i'm glad that more people are willing to talk about the fact that sometimes it is okay to either do things differently or to step away from time to time yeah it's one of those where you think creating content is going to be sunshine and rainbows and puppy kisses and and it is uh but it's also not that (laughs) sometimes so it you know, weighing weighing the puppy kisses against the non puppy kiss parts, like it's can sometimes be tough. So um, I'm glad that it, in Chile's case, he's doing what he wants to do. And right, and that's ultimately what I think we've also decided. Yeah. So, and I know that, and I'm fully aware that you know our releases may be sporadic, and maybe we're not churning out like heavy content with a capital C, but I think in doing so would almost be at a detriment to us. And that's when it would stop being fun for, at least for me. Well, and you and I aren't, you and I aren't really content with the C kind of people. So not anymore. I tried that and it left me miserable to be honest. Yeah. It's left me like feeling really terrible. And now some people can do it great, but I just feel like that, that, constant feeding of that machine and not even from me i just want to do it at this pace but that kind of told of if for any reason you stop doing this that suddenly you'll have less visibility which while may be true 
that just sounds like another nine to five to me. And that's not what I wanted this to be. No. So I'm going to continue drinking uh, this very cheap beer. And we're going to continue talking about goofy stuff and video games and music we love, something we don't love. And we're just going to just enjoy ourselves. And yeah, we ran longer than normal, but it's video games and Bioware shit. Y'all yeah. know how it is with us. <laughs> no one is surprised that this one's longer than the rest of them. <laughs> um, you can also find me um, on the Instagram, on Instagram. Uh, TLAT podcast is the handle there as well. Uh, we have an email address. I believe it's TLATpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on places where you normally stream podcasts. We also have a fuck ton of playlists and fun stuff on Spotify. Yes, we do know that Spotify is the devil. However, that's where most of the music lives. So (laughs) (laughs) we can't help that. Right. Um, I think that's all I have, unless you have anything else. Um, let's see. Um. Hold on, I had something. I thought about it, and then beer hit me. Um. <laughs> this was another episode brought to you by the number one podcast, blocked by Smash Mouth on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Which um, I don't know if anyone's noticed that has now been the header on the Twitter page. That's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, uh, last. But certainly not least, we want to leave you with one piece of advice, which is don't get swallowed by a whale. (laughs) Emphatically, do not get swallowed by a whale. Don't get swallowed by a whale. (laughs) Badassfully. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Nothing, Gladys Knight. Sorry.